last year, the word that God spoke to us was don't hold back. Don't hold back. It comes from Isaiah chapter 54, verse 2. I'm not going to take time to speak on that today, but I want us to just read the verse one more time together. If you could just put that up for us. Uh, Everybody read this with me. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords strengthen your stakes. And God used that word to really speak to us uh, practically, but also prophetically. Of course, most of you, it's no secret to you to know that right at the end of this last year, that first line about enlarging the place of our tent became very literal. Uh, We we are prepared to purchase a 14.59 piece of property, a stone's throw from here in Wrightsville, right off the exit, so that we can physically enlarge the place of our tent and build a brand new church. Somebody ought to say amen to that. Amen. So excited. So excited for what God's doing. And and we know that 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 means we're we're entering into a new season uh, as a church family. This is somewhere we've never really navigated together before. And as I was thinking about that, the Lord brought back to my mind a verse of scripture in Joshua chapter three. And this is when the, the children of Israel, they, they've already come out of captivity in Egypt. They crossed the Red Sea. They've spent 40 years in the wilderness. And now Joshua is coming to the helm. He's the new leader. Moses is dead. And they're getting ready to cross the Jordan. This is not about the, the Red Sea crossing was coming out of bondage. The Jordan was about coming in to the promise. And so they're at that place. And the word of the Lord says this, Joshua chapter 3 Verse three, that the officers went all through the camp giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant, the Lord your God, and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your position and follow it. Then you will know which way to go. Notice this, since you have never been this way before. They tell them plainly, this is brand new. I know you did the Red Sea thing, you did the wilderness thing, you ate the manna, you drank water from the rock, but you ain't never done this. You've never been this way before. So what do we do? He says, but keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. The ark, if you're unfamiliar with the, the story of the Israelites, the ark was that place that literally was the, the, the manifest presence of God. God gave Moses instructions how to build the Ark of the Covenant, and, and he said, I will dwell there. So when we read, follow the Ark, follow it, we're talking about the presence of God. Now, I, I, I love the idea of God doing a new thing. I really do. I, I, I'm an adventurous person. I mean, I'm almost up for anything, So at least once. I mean, I'm dumb enough to try it once. So if somebody says, hey, we're going to try something new, I'm one of those people. I, you know, to a fault sometimes. I'll try stuff. But, but let me give you a couple synonyms today for a new thing that will kind of maybe just ground our feet and maybe check our enthusiasm a little bit if you're like me and you're like, yep, new, that sounds great, that's exciting. Let me give you a couple synonyms for new thing. Unfamiliar, inexperienced. You ever done something you felt like you were inexperienced at doing before? Foreign, strange, different. How many of you know those things are all true? If it's new, you never did it before. If it's new, you don't know how to do it. 
You haven't been this way before. And so that's what the Lord says through the leaders. He says, you've never been this way before. So what do we do? He said, keep your eyes on my presence. Now, thankfully, we don't have to follow a wooden box, you know, like, because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, do you not know that you, your body, is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Did you know that? In the new covenant, the Holy Spirit doesn't dwell in a box in the Middle East. He dwells in the hearts of his people. He lives on the inside of us. And so as we follow God's presence, as we yield to the leading of the Holy Spirit into uncharted territory, let me just tell you, it's going to take something. It's going to require something of you. Because for some of you, uncharted territory might be saying, I want you to go away you've never been before. And that's what this year is going to look like for you. You're going, to, you're going to go someplace you've never been before. For some of you, it looks like the Lord's saying, I want you to say some things you've never said before. I mean, I want you to open your mouth. You know, too many in the church today have become an echo to their generation and not a voice. Too many of us are just a product of the culture instead of being a prophet to the culture. And so it's going to require something of you to say something, but let me, let me just balance that. And some of you, some of you need to maybe not go somewhere and say something, but sit down and get silent on some issues, all right? I didn't come to meddle this morning, but how many of you know sometimes the, the most bold thing you can do is say nothing? Things that you would have loved to have taken a stand on in the past, and you realize, you know what, that might, be, that might be somebody's cause, but it's not a kingdom cause. And so I'm not going to allow it to undercut my influence and my platform. I'm going I'm to sit down on this one and be silent for a moment. But it doesn't matter what, what it looks like, whether it's taking a stand or taking a seat, lifting your voice or, or, or holding your tongue as Jesus did before his accusers. It's going to require something of us. It's going to require courage. So I want you to lean in when you're, with your heart today because I really believe this is the word that God has spoken to us for 2024. I want you to get this in your heart and your mind. Somebody say courage. 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 This is the word I believe God's speaking to his church in this hour. That we would have courage to do his will. That we would have courage to be his voice. That we would have courage to stand, even if it means standing all alone. When Joshua was taking this position of leadership, it was new for him too. I mean, he, he, had, he had been prepared, he had been trained, he apprenticed under Moses, he had the talent, he had the skills, but all that doesn't matter, it, it, it's still new. Never done this before, never been this way before. He needed courage, and Joshua, the, the book begins saying, Moses is dead. Like, nothing else says it's a new season, like death. That season is over. And so God speaks to Joshua to give him courage in this season. Uh, on December 12th of this past year, just several weeks ago, I, I took the staff over to uh, the property that we're, we're purchasing. And uh, the reason we actually went over was because we wanted to get some drone footage of the property. So some of you have seen that footage. We'll, we'll show it to you now. This is the piece of property right there, uh, all this big brown patch of field. Uh, that's the 14 and a half acre property. We went over there to, to get the footage. And so we parked across the street, and we were coming across uh, Lincoln Highway. And before we stepped on it, I said, no, wait, let's just stop right here on the shoulder of the road. I need to share a scripture with you. And so I pulled out my Bible app, and I read this 
verse to them. Joshua chapter one, verse three. This is God speaking to Joshua. He said, I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. And so we stood right there on the shoulder of the road and we prayed together. We said, God, we believe you are going to give us every place where we set our foot. And so for the first time, we, we stepped onto that property that day by faith, believing this is ours. This is the plan of God. This is the timing of the Lord. We stepped on that property. and We began to just walk across that field. Now, you may know that on the backside of that property is hole number three of Cool Creek Golf Course. And so the farther we walked, the more golf balls I started seeing. And let me just say, I, I had never walked on the property before, but I can promise you I deposited plenty of golf balls on that property. I got a terrible slice. And so walking along, seeing those, and at one point I just decided, you know, I'm, I'm taking one of those. It's legal. I picked up a golf ball, I cleaned it off, and I put it in my pocket. And I was remembering how when Joshua led the nation of Israel across the Jordan River. He told them essentially to do the same thing. He said, when you get to the middle of the dry riverbed of the Jordan, I want you to take stones. Take stones, one for each tribe, and carry it with you to the other side. That way, when you get there, you can set up a memorial, a memorial that will always remind you of the faithfulness of God to keep his word and lead you across the Jordan on dry ground. So I took that golf ball back to my office, and, and I wrote on it, Joshua 1.3, and the date, 12-12-23. So it'll sit in my office. So every time I see it, I'm gonna remember the word the Lord has spoken. Now, I didn't take all the golf balls, but I took a few. <laughs> and then actually, I ordered a bunch online. So my ushers are gonna help me right now. I wanna give you one of these. I want you to take this. Listen, I, I don't know what courage looks like for you in 2024, but it begins with faith. It begins with believing that what God said will happen in your life and for your life and through your life will happen in Jesus' name. And so where I wrote Joshua 1.3, your golf ball says Joshua 1.3. I didn't write December 12, 2023 on yours. It says 2024. And the word courage. And I want to encourage you, put it somewhere that it would serve as a memorial stone to you. That when you see it, you would remember the word of the Lord. Now, the word to Joshua was, I will give you every place where you set your foot. And I don't know what ground you need to gain this year. Maybe, maybe it's, it's not literal in your life. You have no desire to, 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 to buy real estate or, or, or put an addition on your house. But maybe for you, it's spiritual ground. Maybe for you, you feel like the enemy has robbed you emotionally or relationally, and there's areas of your life that you want to say, God, I, I want to move forward. I'm going to cling to your word this year and believe, God, you said you would give me every place where I set my foot. And I want to challenge you this year to walk in confidence and with conviction in the goodness of God who's leading your life. Could somebody say amen? Amen. In the next few verses, verse three, four, and five, God just reminds uh, Joshua, uh, of the promise. He says, I'm gonna give you every place you set your foot. Then he said, no one's gonna be able to stand against you. And then he tells him, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But, but then the Lord says specifically these words. 
Be strong and courageous. Look at verse six with me. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their ancestors to give to them. And here's the powerful thing about Joshua chapter one. Not just one time does God say to him, hey, in this new season, be strong and courageous. Not even two times does he say it. Four times in Joshua chapter one, the Lord speaks to him to say, you're going away you've never been before. You're doing a thing you've never done before, but be strong and courageous. In the time we have here, I just wanna show you the four ways that God encouraged Joshua to take courage. Number one, if you're a note taker, God's plan. God's plan. Look at the verse we just read again. Verse six, God says, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give to them. I love this because you can just imagine at this moment, Joshua's feeling the, the, the leadership weight of the world on his shoulders. And God says, Joshua, this is so much bigger than you. Like this is something I promised your ancestors, not just your parents, not just your grandparents. This was something I promised to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And so God allows, allows Joshua to take courage in this reality. God is gonna fulfill his plan. I don't know about you, but I've had some terrible plans. I've had some things where I begin to second guess myself. I begin to question my decisions. I begin to wonder if I'm gonna get out of step, if I'm gonna miss God. And sometimes I just need to take courage in the fact that I'm not big enough to mess up God's plans. Come on, you're not big enough to mess up God's plans. And so God says, you can take courage in this. I got a plan. And if there's any reason that you can have confidence in a plan, it's that it's God's plan. The Lord will fulfill his purpose in your life. I love Psalm 29, or verse, uh, chapter 19, verse 21. It says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. How many of you know that's true? How many of you can think back to the things that you prayed for and asked God for years ago, and now you can go, thank God he didn't answer that prayer with a yes. Thank God. You get on Facebook, you see that high school boyfriend. Thank God. The Lord's been good to me. Right? You see what the company's doing that you used to work for? You're going, whew, thank you, Jesus. I was upset about it when it happened, but thank God. Many are the plans of a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. Let me tell you the second way that God tells him, hey, Joshua, take courage, take courage. Firstly, God's plan. It's, it's my plan, it's not your plan. But secondly, God's promises. I'm talking about the word of God. Look at the next verse. Verse seven says, again, be strong, and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. So this is an even stronger exhortation than the first time. First time he says, be strong and courageous. Now he says, be strong and very courageous. Be very courageous. What God is saying is, yes, you need to be courageous to fight the military battles, but you need to be very courageous to obey my word. I wonder if anybody would be so honest as to admit that sometimes it, it, it takes less courage to get in the fight than it does to just obey the word of God, right? 
Like sometimes the courageous thing is not going to battle. The courageous thing is just being obedient to what the Lord has spoken. In fact, I love this verse, Proverbs chapter 16. Verse 32 says this, better a patient person than a warrior. One with self-control than one who takes a city. I mean, come on, we think about, you know, David and his mighty men and, and Solomon and how he expanded the kingdom of Israel. He conquered nations and, man, we put them up. Those are the leaders that we want to follow. But then the wisdom writer says, you know what's more, what's more powerful? What's better than a person that can conquer a city? A person that can conquer their own emotions. You know what's more impressive than a person that can possess a land? A person that can submit their heart to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Better a patient person than a warrior. And it's no wonder that Satan fights against us standing on the truth of God's word because he can't stand against the truth of God's word. David said it like this. He said, I've hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Like he knew if the word of God is on the inside, that's my, that's my shield. That's my protection. When, when David was, or when Jesus rather, was in the wilderness in Matthew chapter four, he was fasting for 40 days and nights. And the Bible says the enemy came, Satan came to tempt him. And all three times he came to tempt him. You remember how Jesus responded. He said, it is written. It's written. And he quoted the word of God. I mean, come on, think about this. This is Jesus. This is Jesus who, when he was arrested in the garden of Gethsemane, and they said, where is Jesus? He said, I'm right here. And the Bible says all of them fell over. Like just with the power of his words, they all fell to the ground. That had to be embarrassing. They're all standing there with their spears and torches and lanterns. And they're like, where's he at? We're gonna get him. He says, I'm right here. And they go, oh, they just fall over. And he gets up, they, they get up and they arrest him and they take him before Pilate. And the Bible says, he opened not his mouth. He had courage. But of all things to take courage in, God says to Joshua, be very courageous in the word of God. You know how you can be very courageous in the word of God this year? It's outlined right here, verse seven and eight. Look at verse eight with me. He says to him, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful so three things he said you gotta do with the word of God. The first one was in verse seven. He said, obey the word. Like, take courage by obeying the word of God. The second thing he says is, speak the word. In other words, don't just study the word in your bedroom. Don't just write about the word in your journal. Don't just pray over the word of God. Let it be a part of your conversation. Some of you need to take this step in application. Like you, you, you love God, you love the word, you love his house, and you read the word, but the word of God is not a part of your vocabulary. You never talk about the word. And God says to Joshua, look, you're gonna be very courageous if you, you don't just obey the word in your personal private life, but if you begin to let the word be a part of your conversation in your leadership circle. Let the word of God be a conversation at the breakfast table and, and, and when you're taking your kids to school and when you're putting them to bed at night, speak the word. And then the third thing he says here is meditate on the word, right there in verse eight. Keep the word on your lips day and night so that you may be able 
to do everything written in it. Meditate on it. Meditate on it. The idea of meditation goes beyond just obeying it. It goes beyond uh, saying it. Meditation means to really think about it, to contemplate. I know, like, you know, we, we, we think the word meditation and, you know, you picture like Eastern mysticism, you know, somebody on a yoga mat or like a big fat guy with his legs crossed staring at his belly button, you know. Like, that's not what the Bible's talking about. It says meditate. It means to, 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 to mull over it, to stew. I mean, it's like, it's like you just crock pot the word of God in your heart and in your mind. Just let it simmer all day. Till all the juices are bubbling. They'll get everything out of it. I can't use that illustration in the 1130 service. They'll all leave for lunch. I thought you could handle it. The goal of meditation is application. Like it's not just to think about it, just to think about it. That's Eastern mysticism. You know, do nothing. Just sit here in a contemplative state. The less you do, the better. But to meditate on the word is to do it with the desire and the heart to apply the word in your life. And when you meditate, when you, don't, when you close your Bible and you go into your day and it becomes a part of your conversation and you're, you're driving in your commute and you're thinking about God's word, all of a sudden the word of God begins to renew your mind. It begins to change your attitude. It begins to change your reaction to circumstances. Meditate on the word. So he says, Joshua, you can take courage. This is new. Never done this before. But you can take courage because it's God's plan. And it's God's promises. And then the third thing he says is God's presence. You can take courage because of God's presence. Look at verse nine. He says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. See, I don't think God would say it so many times if, if Joshua wasn't tempted to be afraid, if he wasn't tempted to be discouraged. And so he gives him this promise and he says, I will be with you. Now, this is a valuable lesson that actually Joshua learned from Moses, his predecessor. He learned this simple truth. Without God's presence, we are nothing. That's it. Without God's presence, we are nothing. You go back and read about the, the Exodus story and they, they cross the Red Sea and God calls Moses up on Mount Sinai. He's gonna give him the 10 commandments. These are all the, the commands to, to lead the nation. These are gonna be my people. These are my roles. And so Moses comes back down off the mountain and the people had gotten frustrated. They grew impatient, the Bible says. They said, we don't know what happened to this Moses fellow, <laughs> but we're out here a free people. And we got to have an object of worship. And so they gave all their gold to Aaron, and Aaron melted the gold and shaped it like a golden calf so that they would have an object of worship. You can just imagine the frustration. Moses comes off the mountain. He's got the Ten Commandments, like first edition, copy right here. Like The first commandment says, God should be first. He looks up. Like, oh, this is bad. Number two, you should make no graven images. He looks up. Oh, this is really, I mean, I'm only two in. You, you folks are terrible. And, and he's not the only one that's frustrated. God gets so frustrated. I, I, want you to, I want you to hear what the Lord said. God says in Exodus 32 in that moment to Moses, verse nine, he said, I've seen these people, the Lord said to Moses. And they're stiff-necked people. Now, leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them, that I may destroy them, 
Then I'll make you into a great nation. So God was like, Moses, it's just going to be you and me now. Like, we're just going to start over. I can't use those people. And so for the next chapter, Moses begins to intercede. Like, he's, he's going, God, please don't kill him. Like, <laughs> I know. I know they're stiff-necked people. I know they're rebellious. But please don't kill them. And God hears his intercession. And in chapter 33 and verse 3 of Exodus, it says, God tells him this. He says, okay, okay, go up. Go to the land. This is the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. Go there. But I'm not going with you because you're a stiff-necked people, and I might destroy you on the way. <laughs> you ever felt that way about your kids? <laughs> you're like, you got to go now. <laughs> we don't want the cops to get involved. You got to go. I might kill you. Like, that was God, like, in this moment. And I love this because Moses understood the promised land's not so promising without the promise maker. That's no, I don't want that. God was like, I'll give it to you. You can have it. I'm not going, but you can have it. Go possess the land. And Moses responds to him down in verse 15. He says, then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, don't send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with these people, unless you go with us. And then he asked an important question, and I, I hope you'll ask this question of yourself. What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? Can, can I just acknowledge that that's a problem in the church today? There's nothing that distinguishes us from all the other people in all the other belief systems in all of the all of the the, the political agendas and, and the moral ideologies like what makes us stand out and Moses knows intuitively nothing if you don't go with us nothing distinguishes us from all the other people of all the other places we have to have your presence if you're not going I'm out not interested I don't want to go so Joshua learned the importance from watching Moses. We have to have the presence of God. In fact, it was that same chapter, Exodus 33, where it describes a tent that Moses would set up. He called it the tent of meeting. And literally, that's what he did there. He would set up this tent on the outside of town. And he would go in the tent to meet with God. And when Moses would go into the entrance of the tent, the Bible says a cloud would come down, like visible manifestation of the presence of God would come down on the cloud. And all the people, when they saw the cloud over the tent of meeting, they stood at the entrance of their own tent and they worshiped. They worshiped because they knew, like, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know Moses is having a face-to-face -face with God right now. Like, I know he's getting a word from God. And they would stand and they would worship at their tent while Moses was in there. And, and Exodus 33, 11 describes that moment. I love this picture. It says, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Can you imagine that? Like just, Moses is my guy. I'm just gonna come right down and have a face to face with Moses. He would speak to him face to face as a man speaks with a friend. Then it says, then Moses would return to the camp, but notice what happened. But his young aide, Joshua, the son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Here's this hungry next generation leader, like, it's not my time yet, but whatever he's getting, I want. 
And I see Moses going into God's presence, and I want to go into God's presence. I love seeing all these students in the front row. I, I love seeing your involvement. Like, it's a hunger that says, look, like, I, I, want my, I want my time. And so Moses has this incredible moment with God, and then he leaves, and Joshua just stays. It's like, maybe just get a little closer. <laughs> like, see if I can have this moment. And he learned that without the presence of God, nothing's going to distinguish us from everyone else. So God tells him, you can take courage in my plan, in my promises, in my presence. And the fourth thing, the way he tells him to take courage is through God's people. God's people will give you courage. We won't take time to read the rest of chapter one, but there was three out of the 12 tribes of Israel as they were crossing through the, the desert and they were coming to the shores of the Jordan. And, and, and Joshua was saying, on the other side is the promised land. They said, you know, we, we actually really like the land here. Could we, just, could we just stay here? Could this be our inheritance? Can we stay on this side? And of course, you know, Joshua as a leader, he's thinking, oh great, man, we haven't even got to the promised land and already there's a division. Like I got, I got a church split. I don't know what's happening here. So he goes and he confronts those three nations or those three tribe leaders. And he says, look, if you want this land, you can have this land. In fact, you can set up your tents and your women and your children can stay here. But when we cross over, you're going with us. You're going to crawl, your fighting men are crossing over with us and you're going to help us possess the land that God promised. And after we've possessed the land, you can just go back to the other side and you can live over there. And right at the end of chapter one, they answered Joshua. These three tribes answered Joshua and they said, verse 16, whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will fully obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Verse 18, they went a little farther. In fact, whoever rebels against your word and does not obey whatever you may command them, he will be put to death. Like, we are, we are with you. And then they just add this one more sentence. Only be strong and courageous. Now, I don't know if you've ever had that happen for you where you're praying about something and you're wanting God to speak and, and it, you know, maybe you open your Bible and, and you read a verse and it's like, wow, that has to do, like that's the same thing I was praying about. And then you come to church and, and you hear a message and you're like, that's the thing I was praying about. And it's like confirmation, confirmation, confirmation. And then, you know, somebody comes up to you, a friend, and they just, they just want to encourage you. And they say something that on the surface level, honestly, it's not that significant. They don't even know what they said. But because you've been reading about it, you've been praying about it, you've been responding to the word of God, all of a sudden, when they said, be strong and courageous, this is the fourth time that Joshua heard the Lord say those words. I want to tell you, God will use his people to give you courage. We had a staff meeting on December 19th. We meet every week. And in that particular staff meeting, I was praying about this word and, and what it looked like and how it was going to take shape. And so I, I was just kind of, I was describing what I sensed the Lord saying for our church to my staff, and I, I said, 
I'm really leaning into this idea that God is saying to us, be bold, be strong, be courageous. And really that, that word courage is the one that's sticking with me, but let's, let's just, let's take a moment, let's read the word of God and let's pray about it. And so we, we open the word and, and the verse that I shared with them in that moment was Proverbs chapter 28, verse one. It says this, the wicked flee, though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Now, I'm a visual learner. I, I, I kind of see things in pictures and I kind of talk that way. And so I was describing, to, I, we read that verse, the righteous are as bold as a lion. And I said, I, I think, I think the, the image is just a lion. Like not, not a profile lion, like a lion staring you right in the face. I, I think it's, but I don't, I don't want, I don't want like a gnarling, snarling lion, a roaring lion. I just want a lion that knows he's the lion, right? I don't want like a whipped zoo lion. I, and, and I don't want the one that's trying to act like a lion. It's like, you know, when you see like a, a dog that barks and growls, usually the one that growls and barks the most is the one that's scared. But if a lion, put that picture back up there. If a lion looks at you, he knows who the lion is. And I said, I, I just, I, that's the picture I have in my mind. So that was Tuesday the 19th. That weekend, we, we had stepped out in faith and we did Christmas Eve services up at the high school. And so we had the first service at two o'clock and it was, it was great, man. I went out to the lobby. It was buzzing. Like people were talking everywhere. And then Dave Shobanoff came up to me. I saw Dave earlier. Where you at, Dave? Yeah, Dave walked up to me. He goes, hey, I, I made this. Um, I want to give this to you. And he hands me this wooden coin right here. I'm going to show you what's on this coin. It says, Wrightsville Assembly of God. It's got the face of a lion. And he wrote underneath, the righteous are as bold as a lion. I was like, bro, you don't know what you just did. <laughs> You don't know what you just did. I took that, I put it right back in my pocket and I went in there and preached the 4 p.m. service. But I want you to know that God wants you to take courage. He wants to remind you that it's gonna work if it's his plan. Many are the plans of a man, but it's the Lord that orders their steps. I want to remind you, you can take courage because God's promises are yes in Christ Jesus and in the amen in the church is the amen, which means we can rally our hearts around everything that Jesus has accomplished for us, every promise he fulfilled, and we can add our amen. That means so be it. I want you to know that you can have courage this year because the presence of the Lord is with you. And if the presence of the Lord is not with you, don't do it. It's not worth the risk. Nothing's gonna set you apart. Nothing's gonna distinguish you from everyone else. But if God's in it, better go i want to remind you you can take courage through god's people if you'll connect to the body this year i want to promise you god will use people we see it all the time i wish i had time to just testify all the time just the the the, the words the prayers the moments that god confirms what he's saying what he's doing in your life through somebody else they might not even know it's significant they're just being obedient just saying what they felt like they were supposed to say in that moment 
I wanna pray as we end this service today. Would you stand with me all over this room? Would you just take a moment to pray the word of God over our lives for this year? And let me just say this to you, because some of you might be hearing this, and maybe you're at a season of life, and you're like, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't really have any new things on the horizon. I don't really necessarily know what I need courage for. But, but can I tell you today, the Lord wants you to have courage so that you can encourage somebody else. T to encourage somebody just means to give them your courage. That's what it means. So, I mean, if, if I'm riding shotgun with you and you're freaking out and afraid for your life and I'm freaking out and I'm afraid for my life, how many of you know, like, misery loves company, but I'm not doing you any good. If you're looking at the diagnosis and, and, and your, your heart is in despair and I'm looking at the diagnosis and my heart's in despair, I'm not any help. But if I have courage to believe in spite of it, God has a plan. God has spoken his promises over my life. God's presence is with me, and I will step into that moment with courage. I can encourage you. And for some of you, that's why you need courage, because God wants to use you as his instrument to give what you lack to somebody else. Would you just take a moment right now? Maybe you want to even lift your hands to the Lord or just lift your face toward heaven. Let's just call on him today. God, would you speak to your people? Lord, I believe you're speaking through your word today. I believe you're speaking through, uh, through your servant as I communicate this message. God, would you speak to us by your mighty presence? Just settle in on our hearts and on our minds, God. Help us to see that we can be strong and very courageous lord for those that have counted themselves out maybe given up on the plans god give us a blueprint help us to see that lord you have a plan and it will not fail so we sub we submit our ourselves our agenda our desires we surrender ourselves to your lordship in the most practical way god have your way. Have your way in my life. Have your way this year. Have your way in my family. Many are the plans of a man, but it's you, Lord, who orders our steps. God, would you give us courage to trust you, to step out in faith, to believe, and to do a thing we've never seen before. In Jesus' name. Come on, somebody say amen today. Come on, if you're thankful for the word of God, would you just let him know it? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your word. Listen, just before, before we end this service, I just want to pray a blessing over you. But before I do that, I, I want to just encourage you. If, if the Lord is speaking to your heart about something very specifically, maybe something you've kind of carried with you, and today's the day you need to lay that down to make up your mind and say, God, this is not my vision for 2024. I'm, I'm stepping into what you're saying. I'm laying this behind. I, I want to ask our prayer team if they would just find a place accessible in the front of each section and up here at the altar. I'm going to pray just a benedictory prayer. And, and can I just encourage you, if, if you sense the Holy Spirit stirring your heart right now, man, I, I can't impress on you hard enough how important it is to respond to that still small voice. I promise you it's harder to obey Jesus out there than it is in here. So if we can respond to the voice of the Lord and step out and step towards what he's saying, 
He's gonna give you courage to follow him in a hard place. This is not a hard place. There's no judgment here. This is, this is a safe place to seek the Lord. So as I pray this prayer, if you're here today, say, man, I, I just, I wanna pray with somebody. I need, to, I need God's people to help give me the anatomy of Jesus. You know what the anatomy of Jesus is? It's a tender heart and a steel spine. That's what we need. Tender hearts and steel spines. So I'm gonna pray for you. If, if you're here today, you say, man, I, I could use prayer. Step out from where you are and just find a prayer partner. God, we thank you so much for this word that you've spoken over us. Lord, would you do what only your Holy Spirit can do and bring the application with such specificity into our hearts and lives. Make it undeniable, even as undeniable as Moses sitting face to face with God. Lord, let us hear and obey your word, your plan, your promises in a covenant with your people. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God praise one more time today. Amen. Amen.